Welcome to Talks at Advent, homilies and reflections given at the Church of the Advent, a Western Rite Orthodox mission in Atlanta, Georgia. Today's speaker is Dr. Bo Bruce. The question and the answer. And in that day you will ask me nothing. Most assuredly, I say to you, whatever you ask the Father in my name, he will give it to you. Until now you have asked nothing in my name. Ask, and you will receive, that your joy may be full. The Holy Spirit is what we should be asking for. And when we don't even know what to ask, if we trust in God, the Holy Spirit will help us to ask. By engaging the Spirit, even if it is by admitting we do not even know where to begin, we will enter a positive cycle of growing closer to God and break the negative cycle of guilt, despondency, and a movement further from God. Last week, this week, and next week, the lectionary readings are from the 16th chapter of St. John. I read both last week's and this week's gospel passages, and somewhat curiously, this week's passage actually comes before last week's if you were reading the chapters straight through in the book of John. Given that St. John's Gospel is not merely one of the most beautiful religious texts of all time, but also one of the most outstanding pieces of literature ever written in the history of the world, why would those who put the lectionary extract the middle part of the chapter and put it first? I think there are a couple of reasons. First, unlike the disciples who were hearing Jesus speak in a pre-resurrection context in John, we are hearing these passages in the post-resurrection world with our eyes opened. And second, both from the perspective of history and from the cycle of the church calendar, we are also experiencing this in a post-resurrection world. This altered flow smooths the transition between the passages we've been reading before this and after this, between resurrection and Pentecost. In the first passage, Jesus prophesies to his disciples that in a little while they won't see him. That's his death and burial. And then in a little while, his time in the tomb they'd see him, his resurrection. Jesus told them that they would be very sorrowful about his death, but then they would have joy no one could take from them. And indeed, the disciples were glad when they first saw the Lord. Yet there was another level to that prophecy. As we know, that joy didn't seem to last very long. The disciples began processing everything, and they thought about how they had betrayed the Lord. As Jesus himself will say in next week's lectionary reading, Indeed, the hour is coming, yes, has now come, but you will be scattered, each to his own, and will leave me alone. That's what the disciples did, not just as he hung on the cross, but in the weeks following his resurrection. Peter himself, the leader of the disciples, saw for himself the empty tomb, encountered the risen Lord with his own eyes, but he couldn't get over the fact that he had denied Christ three times. He moped about it. He went back to fishing until Jesus met him on that beach and asked him three times if he loved him. Hearing the Lord was risen from the rest of the disciples wasn't enough for Thomas. He didn't believe until he saw the Lord himself. In fact, Jesus will chastise the disciples for their disbelief, even as he stands on the Mount of Olives about to ascend to the Father. The disciples' post-resurrection actions seemed to add insult to injury. People had seen some amazing things, but they still had their doubts. And who wouldn't? I don't know if you've ever experienced the death of someone close to you, but you see them, not just in dreams, but in real life. Are you seeing a ghost, a figment of your imagination? If you were one of the disciples, it's hard to imagine you wouldn't doubt too. After all, the kingdom you expected hasn't come, and it seems like the hard work 
is just beginning. We are now about 11 days from his ascension, 40 days post our Easter, our resurrection experience. Like the disciples, how many of us have already fallen back into our old ways? How many of us have already forgotten all that joy we felt? How many of us wonder where Jesus went? How many of us have already broken the commitments we made to live a new life, fueled by that emotional high of Pascha? How many of us are ready again to doubt the truth of Jesus' world-transforming death and resurrection? How many of us, like the disciples, are in a post-resurrection lull? Rock bottom isn't Good Friday. We've still been heading downhill, probably a lot like the disciples, realizing that the kingdom isn't exactly what we thought. It's going to be hard work. But Jesus tells us we are not alone. Jesus gives us hope and provides the joy that no one will take from us if we're willing to just ask. And in that day you will ask me nothing. Most assuredly, I say to you, whatever you ask the Father in my name, he will give you. Until now you've asked nothing in my name. Ask, and you will receive that your joy may be full. Instead, we fail to ask. We're so disappointed in ourselves that we wallow in our sorrow, and that leads us to despair and despondency. And the fathers of the church remind us constantly that despondency is a very dangerous sin. Because despondency means we've given up hope. Despondency says to us, why bother? That's where I am more often than I like to admit. And I expect some of you feel that way sometimes too. But if we just ask, then instead of God being absent from us, he will always be with us. We are told that instead of God, that is Jesus going away, that God, that is the Holy Spirit, will come and remain with us always as our helper, our paraclete, God is with us now and always, even if we perceive it differently. What exactly is a helper or a paraclete? Well, that's not so easy to answer. This, in fact, is the only place that word appears in the Bible in this form. There's another place in Job where it appears in a more active and plural form, meaning comforters. It also doesn't happen too often in non-Jewish classical Greek texts, so it's a little bit hard to get. And when it does, it has more of a legal meaning. And even in modern Hebrew, that cognate is used in words for solicitor, district attorney, and solicitor general. However, that feature of lawyers to plead one's case on their behalf is also captured here, because we will be told in Mark that when they bring you to trial, meaning the disciples, and deliver you over, do not be anxious beforehand what you are to say, but say whatever is given to you in that hour, for it is not you who speak, but the Holy Spirit. And the Apostle Paul tells us in Romans Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. For we do not know what to pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. So the Holy Spirit is here to comfort and help us by advocating for us when we do not know even where to begin. And so the Holy Spirit is not only the answer, he's the question. If we're despondent, guilty, feeling shameful, we cannot let Satan be the victor. Christ is the victor. He has overcome the prince of this world. We can admit our failing and trust in God, and the Holy Spirit himself will intercede for us. This is why Orthodox prayers begin so often with the following, O heavenly King, the Comforter, the Spirit of Truth, who art everywhere present and fillest all things, treasury of blessings and giver of life, come and abide in us and cleanse us from every stain and save our souls, O gracious one. It never hurts to start by saying we don't know where to begin. We are unworthy. Cleanse us. Save us. Help us. So join your voices with those holy saints. 
and heaven who at that moment of their deepest despair didn't give up. But instead, let us call down the Holy Spirit to help us overcome the world. We may not be in physical danger right now because of our faith, but even more subtly, the world is constantly persecuting us, trying to question our faith in God, creating a world where sin is all too casual. So let us call with the saints for the joy that no one can take from you, the joy of God in your life. A joy and hope so strong that the disciples realized that there was nothing worth more, even their own lives. Don't despair. He's there. No matter how much the noisy world tries to hide him from you, no matter how Satan and perhaps even your neighbor persecutes you when you try to really follow Jesus, he's there. The Spirit is there to convict the world and the devil, not you, of sin and righteousness and judgment. The spirit which you were sealed with at your chrismation is in your hearts, not to condemn you, but to be your helper, to give you strength and hope against all your enemies. So, if God feels far away, he is not. He is groaning on your behalf. Seek, as we approach the ascension, to feel God's spirit within you. Accept his help, and by doing so, bring yourself closer to God. God's hand is there to pick you up from any dark night you experience. Don't be hard-headed like the people waving off rescue from the sinking ship because God will save them. God is here to rescue you right now. Take his helping hand. Soften and open your heart so that the Spirit can fill every crevice and then spill out into the world around you, beating back the darkness, bringing a helping hand to so many others who are broken, who have given up, who think there is no one out there to help. O heavenly King, the Comforter, the Spirit of Truth, who art present everywhere and fillest all things, treasury, hath blessings, and giver of life, please come and abide in us and cleanse us from every stain and save our souls, O gracious One. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Talks at Advent. Homilies and Reflections given at the Church of the Advent, a Western Rite Orthodox mission in Atlanta, Georgia.